Hey, Street Fighters, how's it going? Coming to you from the stream. We're live right now on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, I am at my house. Brian's at his. You're watching us online. You're listening with, with, on a, as a podcast. Or uh, maybe you're in the chat right now. That's the best place to be. Uh, we're started early tonight. We're working on a new schedule um, that will not make me... Uh, have some sort of sleep uh, disorder, sleeping disorder, I guess, or any sort of brain damage caused from irregular sleep. So uh, we're starting early, 6.30s, or let's say seven o'clock uh, on, on Wednesdays. We'll be around the new time of the Street Fight radio live stream and podcast recording. Um, and then we're still taking calls this Sunday, nine to midnight Eastern Standard Time. Brian will not be here. I'm going to have my friend Kasai come on, Thick Puppy, you know him, uh, from Instagram and Twitter, and uh, the Speed Freaks podcast. We'll be taking your calls together, so call in this Sunday, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time, uh, and let us know what's going on in your life. You can find Street Fight on social media, Street Fight WCRS on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and Street Fight Radio on Twitch. Uh, we are going to continue to spread this mess across the U.S. as long as all y'all ask for it. So, we um, so I had to take my car, which was wrecked. Remember to uh -huh. get the estimate, um, and uh, I got a rental car because I have rental coverage on my insurance. I pull up to the place, Brett. Right, I see this car that is the size of three cars. It is a Ford Expedition uh, with three rows of seats in the back. Now, some of you might be tuning in for the first time. I do not have a large family. I have a three-person family, and I live in the city, and most of the driving I do happens in the city. Uh, and my wife freaked out. They were mad at me about it. And I'm going to explain why they got mad at me about it first, okay? Uh, the, the guy, when I went to rent the car, he said, what kind of car do you want, Mr. Quinby? And I said, I don't care. Uh, and then <laughs> he said an SUV. And I, I being the easygoing good man that I am said, yeah, sure. I don't care. And, uh, I got an SUV. All right. Uh, uh, the size of a church bus, the biggest vehicle I have ever driven in my life. It felt wow. like I was in a big rig, Brett. Wait, bigger than that gigantic SUV we took to New York? Yes. Uh, like a whole other row of seats and a trunk bigger than that car. That's a lot. It was tall. I didn't want to go through any drive throughs dude. And like my wife was terrified to drive it. There would have been nowhere to park it. Ever. It was probably as big as the van we took when we did the Hellfire tour and we had 10 people with us. Like it was probably that big. They just and, uh, hand those out to people as, as, as like a rental car now? I don't know. I don't know who would ever need that car. A church is all I can think is like maybe a church would use that car because they got to take a lot of kids to Sunday school. I can and, see that. And, you know, you can understand that. 
So I went online and I did not tag them on the Internet. So I am not a Karen. OK, don't okay. call me a fucking Karen. Don't call me a Karen until you I, see me cry. Yeah, you don't. You can't call me a Karen. I just said this is a big L on <laughs> Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I'd rather you be a Karen. Because this car is big and they gave it to me with a quarter tank of gas. Oh, come on. <laughs> but the fucking thing is, dude, when the girl gave it to me at the body shop, I did not register any disappointment about the car. To uh, her. Yeah, maybe that's that's a that's a that's time that's a time when like you let your first reaction out loud just say god damn that's big and then yeah see where they go from that well i did tell her i was getting tired walking around it to do the uh um you know the the assessment of damage or anything like that i was like god damn this is like an eight mile walk to get like around running, this thing like running a baseball diamond <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah too fucking big man but I did post that they major L for enterprise renter car and they were concerned enough to try to flip it to a W for enterprise rent a car. This is not an ad for them, but they called me this morning and they said, Hey, we're going to get you a different car. Cause that's a wildly sized car for any human being. We don't and, want to. Uh, we don't want our influencers out here driving gigantic cars, you know, Mr. <laughs> Quinby. You get our well, VIP level of service having over 30,000 followers on Twitter. We actually care about your complaints online. Well, so many fucking people in the comments, though, were like, that car is baller. Like, Ooh. they were, like, excited about it. And I'm like, I would have been, too, if it was, like, half the size. I would have been like, ooh, I like this car. Because you know what it had that I like now that I'm fully 100% on board with currently is the dial shifter. So it's like a, 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 it's like a volume button oh. that you shift instead of like pulling a thing. I'm fully on board with the, the dial shift. I don't know what they call it, but Never I'm seen fully it. on board. With, oh, it's great. Uh, uh, they have it in the, in, in the Bronco too. And uh, I love it. I'm a big fan of it. I, I'm fond of it. So uh but so, I bet cool. you just just like turning an oven on or something. Yes. Yeah, that's a good good way to say it. It's like turning on your air conditioner, but it's putting it in park. Takes less fucking strength. It takes less torque uh -huh. to, to get it going. So that's that's a big good thing that happened to me today. So now I have a Volkswagen Tiguan. Uh, it's fine. You know, it's a Volkswagen. Uh, those are pretty hip. So that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, awful company, but irres yeah. irresistible to me, but still awful company. Yep, 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 yep. They were bad. I, or maybe still are. I don't fucking know. I, guess the, I mean, every car is lying about their emissions, I'm sure. Right. So the other thing that I had um, that, I wanted, that I wanted to say is I thought of an etiquette thing today, Brett. I just posted this on the internet. I want to fucking throw it at you because I think I don't know how, where you're going to fall on this new etiquette that I've developed today while okay. I was out walking. All right. You're at a stoplight. Okay. Mm -hmm. Turns green. 
car in front does not go. You, Brett, you're four cars back. It, you should, you do not honk, right? To me, I feel it's rude if you're four cars back to honk because when you are honking, you are honking at the car directly in front of you. No, not their fault. You know, they're not doing nothing. You know, uh, uh, no, the, 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 it's the, the horn is just you yelling out loud. It's not directed to the person in front of you. It's just like saying, Hey, out loud. I think it's, I feel that it's directed at the person in front of you. And if you honk it, I'm not saying you should go to jail for it. I'm saying it's an etiquette question. It's rude to honk at somebody that can't do anything about it is how I feel. I don't like your everybody's mad at me attitude. I don't ever want to agree <laughs> with that. Um, uh, but I do think that if you're four cars back, you have no idea what's going on up there. It could be a fucking heart attack. You know, or like somebody just like spilled a whole bunch of bag of jelly beans out the window and they got to jump outside and pick them up real quick. You know, Um, I would say the 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 person behind them, like if you can see a motherfucker like looking at their Kindle or like sending a tweet, like I would say lay on the horn. Um, But I also uh, at this point, I don't give a fuck about time anymore. Like I would sit through probably five or six green. I don't care. I'll just sit there and listen to music. I have I have nothing better to do. I don't want to be home. I'd rather just yeah. sit in the car and wait. I mean, I'm not overly mad. I have started. Uh, I'm going to admit to a crime here. Uh, when we work at the office, Brett, uh, I go down a, a, a not very traveled road to get uh-huh. home. And there's a light at the end of it. And there's a sensor for the light. And uh, I've waited like a really long time. And me and Brett work late at night. Usually we're, we're you know, on Sundays, we're, we're going home at midnight. Right. And uh-huh. it's midnight on a Sunday. Nobody else is out on the road. I don't wait at that red light anymore. I just stop, look around a little bit to see if anybody's coming. Just run that motherfucker. I, and, and like, I think that's going to change my life from here on out. I think my life is different now that I, have discovered just Run. running the red light. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been there the whole time as the only thing I worry about is have, I always have contraband in my car, but whenever I don't have contraband in my car, I am like always 15, 15 miles over the speed limit and uh, running red lights for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm running a light that's been red, you know, it ain't going to change anytime soon. You know, I, I just fucking go. So uh, a little car talk. For everybody uh for the first 10 minutes but uh i got a weird story brett uh a, a little news of the weird okay. that i saw this week that i thought would be of interest to us and our listeners this comes from npr uh it seems unlikely unlikely but it did indeed happen a man wearing full ninja garb attacked members of a U.S. Army Special Operations Unit in the middle of the night in the California desert, setting off a scramble for safety and resulting in at least two injuries, according to police and other records. Uh, so Wait, so the Storm Shadow program is real? Well, uh, here's what I'll say. These guys are special ops, 
And they say that they are our greatest soldiers, right? Like they're the best of all the soldiers to the people that love soldiers. They say those are the best. This is the seals. It just says special ops. So it could be like, it could be the seals. It could be the green barrettes. Uh, it could be a, a plenty of different things, but they they were taken out by a ninja, and uh, that is a pretty wild thing to happen. The incident um, occurred a little after 1 a.m. on September 18th when authorities in Ridgecrest, California, got word of a sword-wielding man dressed as a ninja on the loose at the in Yokern Airport in Kern County, north of Los Angeles. Kern County Sheriff's deputies found the suspect had assaulted a victim at the scene with a sword and thrown a rock through a hangar window, hitting an additional victim in the head, the sheriff's office said on Friday. Um, ninja, come on street fight, man. We think you're cool. What whatever you're up to, I like it. I'm I'm behind you. Ninja. Yeah, we want to learn about your code. <laughs> the victims are member of the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment, according to Stars and Stripes newspaper, which states that the military personnel were at the airport as a part of a training exercise. Uh, so basically, the, it, here's what happened. Okay, it. it um, there was a staff sergeant smoking a late night cigarette near an airport hangar when an unknown person wearing full ninja garb approached him with a question. Do you know who I am? The man asked. <laughs> the sergeant said he did not. Do you know where my family is? The man asked. When the sergeant said he did not know, the person in ninja garb began to slash at him with a katana sword. The report states that adding that the sergeant's leg and phone were struck. Oh, that's so cool. Do you know who I am? Do you know who my family is? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It sounded a little observant reportish. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And I, don't, and I, th- I think ninjas just like strike in the dark and they don't, you know. I just think you would be like, you would be like, oh, my chest hurts. And then all of a sudden, like your your two halves of your body would slide off of each other. Let me explain something. There's a book by Edgar Allan Poe, and it's called The Cast of Amontillado. And I'm probably saying that wrong because I'm an Ohio hillbilly. But uh, in that story, a guy is getting revenge on another guy and he's killing him. Right. To get revenge for some shit. I don't even remember what the shit was, Mm -hmm. but at the end, it is explained that you are not truly getting revenge unless the guy that you're killing knows that it's you and you're doing the revenge. Right. Does that make sense to you? That does make sense. Yeah, I agree. So maybe that's what was going on with this ninja. You know, he, he was getting he was getting revenge. Uh, police officers located a ninja suspect on a nearby road, but the man refused to follow commands and brandished the sword at deputies. The sheriff's office said projectile rounds were used, but were ineffective. It added instead. Oh, that's the man inter- re- now that's interesting. Yeah, he should have used. Um, he I wish he would have had some shurikens. Yeah, or turned into a little log. Yeah. I yeah. Like when they do that smoke bomb. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they, so they, they shot project. So 
this is so funny though is like imagine a ninja jumps out of the fucking shadows and is like where is my child you know what you've done and then they just bonk your phone they swing at your they swing at your thigh muscle and bonk your phone and you're like fuck i didn't have a cover on that now i'm gonna have to pay to get it replaced <laughs> fuck your dastardly ninja <laughs> i mean i if i'm like one of these special ops guys I am probably a touch weirded out by the whole situation because it seems like something that can't possibly happen Yeah, in the I mean, world. It's one of those news stories. It's like I it's on NPR. Mm -hmm. So I tend to believe it. There are police records and all that shit. So I have to believe that it's true, but it's fucking weird, man. What a fucking odd thing to happen. But again, if I was a president of the United States and I needed a special ops, I'd probably just hire some ninjas. Like this guy should have a job, I would think. In the end, it's like when they catch <laughs> like when they catch a hacker and they're like, "You can work for us." They're like, they find an, the American ninja, and yeah. they're like, "We we need your power. We'll, well do anything to keep you uh, on our side." Like when like Superman, <laughs> his net he was identified as Gino Rivera. 35 uh -huh. years old wow. and they arrested him for attempted homicide assault with a deadly weapon brandishing a weapon brand i mean come on brandishing a weapon with the intent to resist or prevent an arrest i mean you can't charge somebody with <laughs> brandishing a weapon twice i mean if you're brandishing the weapon you're doing it to not get arrested i hate how they stack charges like that no that'll all get thrown out of court it's religious expression it's all part of ninjutsu that's true that he could say that. Yeah. So I'm going to keep track of this and see why this happened. Maybe he'll say something. Uh, and uh, so that's a little ninja story for you. So um, and, and so and uh, a fucking quarantine ninja got up the courage to attack the special ops in this country and they ran away with cuts. They ran away yeah. from a guy that couldn't even kill him with a ninja sword. I know. And here's the fucking I'm not trying to be tough, okay? This is not my toxic masculinity. But I don't think I'm afraid of a guy with a sword, really. I've got to tell you that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think a sword is that dangerous. Of a, I'd be more afraid of a knife than a sword. Or a bat, even. Swords are fucking heavy, dude. You ever hold a sword in your hand? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're heavy. Yeah, man, but like it's a deep cut. Like if you get slashed across your whole chest, you normally don't just come away with a really fucking awesome scar. Like your just guts spill out. Right? This is really? like the same thing as like uh, well, <laughs> a sawzall couldn't hurt you. It's not that a sawzall can't hurt me. I'm fucking a hundred percent sure that a sawzall could hurt me. I'm saying that my butt. If you sawzalled my butt for like one or two seconds, I would be okay. Okay, so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know little guns, like little pew-pew baby guns and like they hide in their, their like socks and stuff like that? The fucking Derringer. Yeah, I know yeah. what a Derringer is. Okay, that's like a knife. But then you have like a bazooka launcher, like your favorite kind of gun. That's like a fucking sword. It's Not like true. An, it's like an, and it's the best knife. It's, a, it's a bigger than a knife, yeah. One, here's, here's something. Okay, here's something. I would let somebody shoot me in the arm with a Derringer in a second. 
Because those things, they don't do shit. Just right in the arm, though. I mean, I would have to make sure you're a sharp shooter and stuff like that. But I think I could probably, like, get shot in the arm and, uh, you know, go to the doctor, get, like, four Vicodin, and I'd be fine. You, can, you know? <laughs> this could be a new snake guy routine for you. What do you like, mean? Oh, once a year, once a year, you could do some like no, like well known or well known dangerous thing. Get you know sawzall shot or katana, and then just go to the hospital for like eighteen months and recover, and then do it again. I just think that I'm tough when it comes to pain. Is what I'm saying. That's I, all. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. know about that. Oh God, I don't. I I don't ever look, Brett. I'll agree with you. I complain a lot, okay? But you got to admit I don't complain about pain a lot. Like most of what I'm complaining about is like existential and stuff like that. It's I not know, I feel like the real stuff would fucking kill you. Like if you <laughs> Oh, Jacob in the chat said Brian do not take any goddamn bullets. I'm just talking like a BB gun bullet, you know? It's a Derringer um, bullet. Yeah, like a, a Derringer. It's like a little bullet on a little gun. So uh, uh, that is that is the ninja story. Now we got to go to uh, uh, the landlords are on their worst behavior, Brett. The landlord. Actually, let's do this first, because this is a, a Denver Post article that I saw. And I had been reading about it. I saw a lot of people uh, talking about it. And, uh, you know, it's something where... Like Brett said, I'm not going to be there Sunday, but Brett's going to be there Sunday. And uh, if you know anybody that know about this, please let us know. Uh, uh, have them call Brett or even when I'm back, call us. You know, there's no date. But uh, sisters Mary and Sarah Williams are proud to be essential workers. The ones who have gone to their job sites each day during the pandemic to produce goods to keep the country moving. The sisters both work on the assembly line at the Aurora site of HelloFresh, the country's largest home-delivered meal kit provider. A lot of homes were ordering the meal kits because restaurants were closed and grocery stores were wiped out, said Mary, 28, who started at HelloFresh almost a year ago after losing her job in the hospitality industry. The two said while business and revenue have skyrocketed for the Germany-based HelloFresh during the pandemic, so has the pressure on employees to work harder to meet the demand. Nothing seemed to change after meetings with managers about safety concerns and what the sisters described as work speed ups, which you can totally believe that. And something that has been really gnawing away at me and really annoying me is like some of these companies probably tripled what they were making during the pandemic. I mean, you know, some of these, especially if you're an online company and you you got to raise people's pay if you're speeding up their work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's uh, there's absolutely no way that they didn't make a shitload of money. <laughs> there's yeah. just um, everybody. Most people moved to some sort of something like that, uh, or at least dabbled. It was very easy to tr give it a try and get caught in a free trial. Um, yeah. I, I just, it's like it's just a fundamentally broken part of our society is to think that like when the company makes money everybody should do better you know it's like you're chipping in you're helping you're a part of this uh but you're not no 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 not the money i'm in charge of the money i'm dad i do the money i'm the ceo yeah. well and and i hate the custom that we have in this country of like you get hired you make this much money and that is not 
something that moves with business, right? Like, so I get hired on at $13 an hour, you know, because I'm not going to pretend like they make 15. They might, but <laughs> I, mean, I get hired on at $13 an hour. Business doubles. They speed up my work. I need to be getting paid $20 an hour. You can fucking afford it, dude. Yes. I'm not asking for fucking double. Yeah. I'm asking for, you know, time and a half, basically. And, and like, so these, the, uh, because of that, the majority of the nearly 400 member staff have signed up to form a union and are waiting for an election to be scheduled. So Unite Here, a union representing 300,000 people in food service, gaming, and other industries, is working with HelloFresh workers in Aurora and at a larger facility in Richmond, California. The HelloFresh employees aren't the only ones who want to improve working conditions. Either by organizing a union or seeking changes to their union contract, about 350 janitors at Denver International Airport, uh, members of the Service Employees International Union, Local 15, are voting this week on whether to strike over pay and workloads. Striking Nabisco employees in five states, which included workers at the corporation's plant in Aurora, ended their weeks-long walkout on September 18th after approving a new four-year contract. Um, so let me, let me explain kind of what happened to this place. They, uh, at HelloFresh, concerns about paying conditions are driving the push to unionize. I'm organizing. Uh, so uh, uh, basically what happened at HelloFresh was, one, uh, there, a, a pallet of bins fell off of a shelf here it is. Brandon Lowlands, uh, uh, I'm organizing with the union to stand up for those victims. I believe this whole thing could have been a, okay. At HelloFresh, concerns about paying conditions are driving the put. Uh, Brandon Lowlands said in a recording, Unite Here shared with the Denver Post, he was close by when four people were struck June 16th by a pallet of bins that fell from a high shelf. And like anybody who's worked, in a warehouse setting knows that if there's like, you can't make the building bigger. And a lot of times if they have to double the materials for some reason that you're keeping in the warehouse, they will stack them unsafely. And they'll say, that's just temporary. We're, we're going to fucking change that. We'll get, we'll get that fixed. And then it just never happens. It becomes codified and they'll like, put a sign on it that says like this is where the bins go yeah they just yeah they they basically they feel like printing out a uh, printing out a sign is uh brings everything up to code it's like we warned them that like boxes might fall on their fucking heads we have signs before this whole area right right that is exactly it they because i've seen this happen so many times at work where it's like uh something bad happens right or not something bad they make a decision to stack these things in this area, but it's not supposed to be in that area. And it's in the way of something. And what they do is they're like, we're going to move those. We're definitely going to move those. And then they're like, put a sign and they say, this is where these things are. They are not supposed to be here, but this is where we're keeping them right now. And then like maybe later a sign that says like, this is the temporary spot 
for the bins, you know? And then uh, uh, by the end, they're just like, uh, uh, by the end, it, that, that's just where they fucking go. Uh, there was also uh, an enormous COVID breakout outbreak there where they said that pretty much everybody at work at that works there got COVID. Like the numbers were like almost all of the employees. And uh, uh, so that is really bad. You know, it makes sense. <laughs> They're in a warehouse yeah, I mean, all day. Yeah. Yeah. These, I mean, this is sounds very similar to Tesla too. Um, it's also like uh, blue apron, uh, blue apron, a little was a little more criminal uh, activity, I think, but um yeah, it seems to be that that most people think they can get away with this or it's like this is what the modern work environment is, you know? Yeah. And they say as COVID-19 restrictions have ended and more jobs have opened, workers have left HelloFresh. Employees said there used to be seven people per assembly line. Mary Williams said now there are three or four. Oh, Each- no. Hell no. Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> Yeah, each line handles on average roughly 1,000 boxes a day and sometimes as many as 1,200, she said. Uh, and Brett, do you remember, uh, God, it probably would have been a few years ago, uh, Blue Apron had, like, motherfuckers were getting stabbed and their fingers cut off and shit at Blue Apron. And they were overworking people. And... uh yeah, in an earnings call in March, HelloFresh officials said the company ended 2020 with a bank, delivering more than Ugh. 600 million meals globally. The company reported revenue of nearly 4.4 billion oh, in God. U.S. dollars, up a, a, up 111 percent, and more than 100 percent growth in the U.S. and select international markets. So when you think about this, dude, it. When you think about this, they, they had a 111% increase. And I don't know what that means. That means double, right? More yeah. than double. A little over double. And they have half of the people working the assembly lines than that number. And they talk about this labor shortage, but put a sign in front of your place saying you're going to pay $20 an hour, full benefits, full vacation time and all of that stuff. And you will fill all of those jobs immediately. And I'm, I'm telling you, this comes back to something we've talked about forever, which is fucking piecework, which is like, how much does the box cost and how much is marketing is spent how, per box you're selling? How much are you spending on marketing? How much are you spending all these things? How much money is there for the person that fucking packs it and makes it happen? Pay them that every time they do a motherfucking box. You know, you can't just, you, the, the, it's criminal to the way that they fucking rip people off. You know, it, it is, it's not even, it's not even relevant to the, to the actual service they're providing. You know, if they want an independent contractor us, I'm a fucking box stuffer and I expect $1 per box and I can do a hundred dollars, a hundred boxes a motherfucking hour. So get ready to pay up. Oh, that is like also a good point. It is like, like, I don't think these people are independent contractors. I think they're actually working for the place. But also, I would guess there's a lot of temps in there because I've never been in a warehouse that didn't have a ton of temps so that you could walk in there and know that your job, you can be replaced within, you know, 24 hours if they go to a deco and ask for two more workers. Um. Since the Aurora workers endorsed starting a union, the company has brought in people from Culture Consulting, a self-described labor and employee consultancy to speak to employees. 
Unite Here refers to the firm as Union Busters. We respect our employees' right to organize and support efforts to provide education about their options, Schweitzer of HelloFresh said. The sessions are intended to promote education and an open dialogue, she added. And then Jackson uh, Lewis shit. Yeah, they require us to go to these meetings and they present them like they're non-biased, but they're definitely anti-union, Sarah Williams said. Uh, So, yeah, go HelloFresh. I hope it happens, man. Despite the mandatory meetings at HelloFresh and unhappiness with pay and conditions, the Williams sisters in Canada said they want to make HelloFresh a better place to work, which is that's like a beautiful thing because that is what getting a union is it is about saying like i'm not gonna fucking go somewhere else i'm gonna make this place come to me yeah sorry i I got lost (laughs) i was that was just like i'm just wondering what the ceo is making oh god i i wouldn't i i don't want to look for that kind of stuff but uh really $4.4 billion is what the company made. You could peel off a billion dollars for the employees. I think that's not like a big ask. The thing is, yeah, there the thing about all of this, and this is why unions are necessary is that there is one person that is taking home a million fucking dollars. And then it is like, Oh, we don't have enough to pay anybody. I know that, that, uh, all of our, I know that we've like doubled business in the last year, but we don't have enough to pay. You know, I had to give myself bonuses for doubling business. Yeah. I'm looking at their executive salaries. Uh, the average compensation is $214,817 an hour. For uh, what? That's the average executive um compensation that's the average of what they make the ceos is not there you said an hour you meant a year not an hour a year yeah a year i mean he the ceo probably makes that an hour (laughs) i'm sure (laughs) you always hear those fucking numbers uh uh oh yeah about jeff bezos where it's like you sure okay (laughs) um so hello fresh union here we fucking come hopefully let's do Uh, it it's, I mean, it's happening a lot. There's a lot more of it, uh, talk of it than ever before. I mean, I don't know what, you know, I, yeah, I don't, I don't remember, um, having these conversations when I was younger, uh, or hearing about it mostly because they were just like kicking the shit out of the unions. I think when I was younger, um, but it is neat that this is now something we can talk about. Um, I do have to say this is also like this is what happens in the book Atlas Shrugged. So <laughs> I don't think it's going to help with our conservative problem. I think in libertarians, I think they're going to be even more freaked out um, now that workers want to be paid uh, equally, you know, or at least a living wage, not even living wage, just paid what they deserve. They yeah. make all the fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Uh, uh, you know, they don't even need the CEO of HelloFresh, probably. HelloFresh. I've never done one of those before. Uh-huh. Um, one it, of those meal prep services. I've never done that Didn't you try it? You, you did. You complained the hell out of it because they sent you like eggs wrapped up, like one egg wrapped up. <laughs> My wife it. did. My wife tried it and I got annoyed because they like put plastic around an egg or something like that. And I was like, we're not doing this. I mean, I'm not trying to be a prick to my wife though. Like she was like all for it because she was like, 
saw all the waste. I think it was chives in a plastic bag uh-huh. that got her. And uh, so uh, that was that was the HelloFresh union. But what I saw something I, else. I, do, I, I actually I use the um, I use Imperfect Foods box, but none, most of their stuff isn't in plastic. It's just like a big brown box full of produce is what I get. Why is it called Imperfect Foods? Because it's runoff from farms. Like it'll be apples that are like maybe a little too small or like um, they make orange juice with like ugly oranges that can't be put in bags. So it's just like food waste that they that they sell to you at like a discounted cost. Little apple with a worm in it. Yeah. Yeah. Little Yay. buddy inside. <laughs> little buddy apple. <laughs> little buddy apples. <laughs> yeah. Cool, Pre- packed full of buddy. protein. Lots of bug protein inside. I got a new kind of apple last week called the Sweet Tango. Ooh. Uh, yeah, not bad. Not bad apple. I mean, my favorite apple is the Honeycrisp right now, of course. I mean, See? which I don't believe is a real apple um, because I never heard of one until like five years ago. And now it's the predominant apple. <laughs> I mean, it took the nation by storm for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I mean, they pretty much nailed it. Whatever science went behind making it, they nailed the best apple. I mean, it's they make those, make those red deliciouses taste like crap, man. I take a <laughs> bite of a red delicious. You're just like, <laughs> mealy. And, and yeah. it's funny because like, it feels like red delicious was the only red apple until like a few years ago, like 10 years ago. Cause I never had any, a, a, another apple. And when you look at, I know this isn't science. So, people in the chat and people that listening aren't don't make fun of me but um you know when you look at the apple for the teacher illustrations it's always a red delicious so that leads me to believe the red delicious was the only kind of apple until 10 years ago when they invented the honey crisp and well the granny smith red delicious granny smith it was only two flavors that's what our parents had that's why um, the boomers are so mad honey crisp came out in 91 got dropped in 91 yeah, but it didn't get it was probably just some shit and like, like no, I, one place, you know what I'm saying? Like where they were like, oh, we got these honey crisps. Um, I would say it was definitely my generation um, and getting into things like heirloom foods and other varietals um, definitely expanded that over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, one of my favorites, though, which might be a contender for the, the sweet tango is the jazz apple. I like a jazz apple and I like the name jazz apple because it feels like, like, I wonder why they called it the jazz apple. Very weird name for an apple. I like grapes, but they got rid of them. Do you remember? Yeah. Grapes? Wait, yeah, is that the cotton candy no one? No, it's an apple. It tastes like grapes. <laughs> no, I didn't. Remember. No, I never had one of those <laughs> grapes. Um, so I got this from the New York times earlier today. Uh, uh, it has been years since Patricia Edwards' top floor apartment in Brooklyn has felt like an acceptable home. When it rains, water leaks into the kitchen and living room. It also pours through a crack in the bathroom ceiling so big that Miss Edwards needs an umbrella to use the toilet. Still, at around $1,100 a month, the rent-regulated one-bedroom unit in Crown Heights is relatively affordable in a rapidly gentrifying New York City neighborhood where the median asking rent is more than twice as high. For 20 years, Miss Edwards, 63, said she had almost never missed a, ra- a rent payment. 
But when the pandemic hit last year, leaving many of her neighbors struggling financially, Miss Edwards, a retired bank employee, decided to do something she had never done. She refused to pay rent. Miss Edwards became one of a dozen residents, about half the building's tenants, who are withholding rent until the landlord forgives the debt owed by residents affected by the pandemic and makes repairs to a building they say has been neglected for too long. Wow. So, yeah, very cool. Very cool. Uh, the protest at 1616 President Street is in some ways a microcosm of the way the pandemic has pushed many tenants in the nation's largest city and most expensive housing market to the brink. Across New York, many tenants who lost their job after the city went into lockdown are facing millions of dollars in unpaid rent and have been kept in their homes by government aid programs and a state eviction moratorium that expires in January. But the pandemic has also mobilized some tenants to take on landlords who have done little to improve their living conditions and push them into a new kind of activism. So uh, uh, this is a rent strike in one building. I know that we've actually talked to other people in New York that are doing rent strikes, you know, and this reminds me of... <laughs> It's funny. I'm going to say this because it, later on in the article, she explains that she's been paying the rent into a savings account uh -huh. so that when she when the repairs are made, she's willing to pay the rent. She, she's like eighteen thousand dollars saved. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, you saved 18 grand, man. If I didn't have to pay rent, I would find every reason to use that rent money. That's escrow. That's what escrow I was talking about before. It's a way to, to secure your money and say, hey, I am actually paying rent. It's your rent is sitting over here in this account ready for you to take it as soon as you do what you're fucking required to do. Yeah. The building's landlord has been described by officials as one of the most negli negligent in New York. And the city has filed suit against the owner for repeatedly failing to address longstanding problems. The landlord argues that the property has been properly maintained and that in some cases, tenants themselves have blocked access to their building and prevented repairs from being made. Now, I don't believe <laughs> that they blocked the access. <laughs> One. <laughs> Hell two, no. Two. I also don't believe that. I believe the tenants, you know, 100% of the time. As If somebody says they have to use an umbrella to go to the bathroom... Like that, I have never, listen, I've, I've made every lie in the book. I have lied up and down to landlords my whole life. Um, I've never, I've also talked to other people who have lied. I have sat next to people and developed lies, okay? And uh, I have never in my life heard that story, that I need an umbrella to use the bathroom. <laughs> No, I mean, the, the people that make shit up aren't even that creative. Like, you would only come up with that if you lived it. Like, it's, it's like you're not lying. Like, only a person sitting there holding an umbrella over their head using the bathroom would be like, somebody has to know this is going on. This, this has to stop. Yeah. In February, the city's housing department sued the owners and managers of 1616 President Street and Brooklyn Housing Court accusing them of not making critical repairs, falsely claiming dozens of violations were addressed and filling, filing baseless eviction lawsuits against tenants. The suit seeks to impose financial penalties and force the landlord to correct all the problems at the building. Um, so, yeah, they're going after the fucking guy. For some residents of the President Street building, it took the pandemic and the housing and financial crisis it set off to persuade, persuade them to risk eviction and challenge their landlord. 
Um, so the woman, this the 63 year old woman that this story is about said she doesn't want to not pay her rent. She's like totally fucking like, I feel bad not paying my rent, but I ain't going to pay this motherfucker. We're 18 months into this and I ain't about to fucking stop now. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, many issues were well known. And there's pictures, by the way, Brett, there are uh, uh, pictures in the article of uh, that the landlords refused to repair broken plumbing and and there's like the the bathroom leaking is actually there's pictures of so you can see it yeah many issues were well known before the pandemic the landlord tenants have been dealing with jason corn k-o-r-n no yeah i mean come on they corn should sue this guy i think like you got to change your last name buddy maybe change it to creed or something i don't fucking know send a cease and desist on his ass maybe I wish you could. I wish they could do that. Yeah, he. Fuck I mean, you, you're making us look bad. Yeah, defamation. Yeah, um, he was he was named last year by the city's public advocate's office as the worst in the city, based on hundreds upon of hundreds of open violations of the housing code at several of his buildings, including the President Street building. Yeah, that I mean, we're talking about. Yeah, somebody that shouldn't be in charge of anybody else's living. Totally un- unnecessary. Tell- just strip them. Strip them. Yeah. Just, just give them the to the people. Give them to the people that have that. Let those people spend their fucking rent money on fixing the place up themselves. So here's what the Get guy rid of him. So here's what the guy. Actually, here, this little piece right here. Housing department records showed that as of the week of September 27th, the property had 220 open violations, including 32 considered immediately hazardous. The problems included a cockroach and mouse infestation and lead paint peeling off the wall. Yikes. Um, Yeah. And uh, so what this guy did was uh, he was already running this through an LLC. And uh, it seems like he started another LLC and then handed the property over to that LLC. Oh, it's, and yeah. uh, it's the like New York a, Times couldn't untangle it. Yeah. I mean, it's like when uh, Mikey's garage fucks over a whole bunch of people, doesn't do the work, and, and then just reopens as Dave's garage, just sells all of their equipment to Dave's garage LLC. I actually call that the bar rescue theory of uh, <laughs> business ownership. Okay. Uh, you, you paint the place, you give it a new name, and then a bunch of people show up there for one month before they find out that it's the same <laughs> shitty fucking owner. Yeah. Yeah, you can trick them. You know, you'll get a couple, couple more people, but uh, yeah, eventually your bad habits will be shown. Yeah. Yeah. So... Here's another landlord thing that I got from the Daily Beast, which is, oh, my God, this one, his black tenants say he allegedly referred to them as the N-word who should go back to Africa. At least one white tenant says the man called her an N-word lover and warned her to pay your bills like other white people. God damn. 
Yeah, David Merriman, the 56-year-old owner of a dozen rental properties in southeastern Virginia worth over $5 million, has had over a dozen arrests in the past two decades for threats and assaults, been cited hundreds of times by local city governments for code violations, and was suspended repeatedly from local housing authority for dilapidated Section 8 rentals, according to city records obtained by the Daily Beast and court filing. He most definitely was a landlord from hell, one tenant told the Daily Beast. Recently, complaints from mostly black female tenants about Merriman's behavior and subpar housing in Newport News, Virginia, made it to the desk uh. of Attorney General Mark Herring. On Thursday, Herring filed an $8 million housing discrimination lawsuit against Merriman for his alleged, alleged horrific treatment of tenants and a pattern of abusive, abusive racist and sexist behavior. The lawsuit is the first of its kind in Virginia, Herring told the Daily Beast. How, housing advocates told the Daily Beast the state is thin on protections for renters and hope the lawsuit will set a new tone for slumlords. And uh, uh, so... This guy, when confronted with claims about a long history of using racist language towards the low income, mostly black tenants he rents to in Virginia, Merriman's response to the response to the Daily Beast is, I used to date a black girl. Wow. I mean, this is this is like seems like an onion article. Sorry that I that I said that. But I mean, this is just the most embarrassing. That's a that's a horrible punchline. It's a very yeah. tired punchline for that joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that is horrible. But what kind of punishment? What, I, I don't know. I don't believe in the American government. I don't believe in our justice system. You take it, They've let it happen fucking, for how long? Exactly. You take it away from him and you give the money to the people living in the units. And let them get the repairs done. Just what it, you do. Yeah, just say, this is yours now. Yeah. When tenants complained about leaks, sewage problems, or severe structural or electrical issues, Merriman allegedly began a campaign of abusive, racist, sexist, and otherwise unlawful See. behavior, the suit said. When black tenants reported issues, the suit alleges he dropped the N-word with abandon and allegedly told complaining tenants, that's how you black people act, and that's the problem with you black people. Uh, yeah, yeah. There have been dozens of calls to the police by Merriman's tenants asking for protection after alleged instances of him threatening them, stealing property, or attempting to illegally evict them, the suit said. The suit also claims at least one tenant has gotten a protective order against him. Um, okay. When yeah, Merriman I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't, I will see. I, I do want to follow up on this. I want to see what can actually happen. What kind of punish, punishment? I mean, what is justified? Yeah, I don't, I, I, dude, Merriman. So here's Merriman. Okay. Here's, here's the guy. When Merriman was first told about the lawsuit by the Daily Beast on Thursday, he pushed back on the idea that he targets or harasses tenants. That is, he said, unless harassing them means trying to get them to pay back rent. He said he, he said he doesn't target black renters in particular, but said many of his tenants who happen to owe him money are black. It just so happens I have no white people that are behind on their rent. Is that a coincidence or is that just weird? He told the Daily Beast. <sighs> I don't know what the pattern is called. Black Lives Matter. <sighs> man, this guy's on. man. This guy needs a sucker punch so bad. Like he needs to go to the McDonald's 
where the one punch man works. Where yeah. remember that guy that said a racial slur and then cracked his head open on the floor? Yeah. Um, this is hopefully where this guy ends up. I mean, I I think that you can't keep it up for too long. Eventually you gotta catch an ass whooping. I mean, I think you should be able to take everything away from him. I yeah. really fucking believe that, like, so I I really believe that we should just take his shit and then put give it to the people that live in the place and then their rent that they used to have to pay to a racist piece of shit goes to fix the sewage repairs and all of the code violations that he's just allow 188 code violations on yeah. prop properties he owns. Yeah, he's right? not doing his job. He thinks he's a, he's doing a fucking job. He's not doing shit. Yeah, 188 code violations on properties he owns in Newport News. And this is since 2018. He has 180, 188. 35 outstanding violations and four pending in court and court filings from his federal case showed that his alleged failure to keep up his properties and harassment of tenants has been an issue for two decades now. Um, so one white tenant, 24 year old Samantha Feely told the daily beast, a horror story about her time renting from Merriman. She says that when he signed, when she signed a lease to rent one of his properties in Hampton, Virginia in January, 2020, she didn't realize what she was getting into. Feely said she just arrived from Indiana and was desperate to get a home for herself and her children. So she signed, even though the home had noticeable leaks, water damage and rotting parts. It was my first time getting a place on my own. She said, I didn't know what all to look for. Oh God. You know, that happens a lot too, man. When you're getting your first place, you don't even know you can like ask them to fix stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, she said Merriman promised to fix all the issues once she signed the lease, but he never did. As the pandemic started to take over the country, country, Feely learned she was pregnant. With little information about how she might be affected by the deadly virus, she left her job at a resort hotel. During the first brutal months of the pandemic, she said she continued paying rent thanks to help from unemployment. But in August, when the son she was expecting was stillborn, she said she fell behind a couple months due to funeral expenses that put her in a financial hole that was hard to climb out of. She said she knew Merriman was eligible for assistance to cover any missed rent. There was also a federal eviction moratorium in place. But nonetheless, Feely told the Daily Beast she began to receive harassing text messages from Merriman. It's in, in September 2020, after Merriman had allegedly shown up at her home demanding rent money, Feely said Merriman texted her, texted her the phone, texted the phone of her boyfriend, who she was living with at the time, who was, and who was also white. Feely said she responded to the messages. So according to screenshots, uh, Feely, they said they can't pay because our job hadn't been in impacted by covid the text messages so hence the whole reason why the president has issued a ban on evictions we are going through a pandemic in response american merriman wrote fuck that uh you're still working and you're fuck that you're still working and you're white according to the screenshots later adding don't give me that n-word shit these are text messages that you can fucking read according to the screenshot merriman texted that all my white people were paying rent and pay your bills like other white people to her which by the way hey i don't pay my bills either okay and i'm a white person all right 
uh, uh, but then again, you have a bunch of N-word friends, it seems like he texted her, adding, so maybe you're an N-word lover. Uh, Merriman did not respond to questions about this text exchange. Of course he did. He's a fucking coward. Chicken shit. Uh, so I will... Uh, I'll do, I guess I could probably do a Google alert on this guy's fucking name. Um, because I'm not a hundred percent sure how to keep track of this story. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this guy's a real piece of fucking shit. I mean, yeah. I guess, I mean, they can't, I think that's the real failure of this world is that you can't fucking take his shit away and also kill him. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there should be repercussions for this. There's just no reason that anybody like this should be, we should even bother with them, especially at this age. It's just too old. There's no redemption. There's no redemption arc happening here. Throw them in the fucking ocean. Nope. Absolutely fucking not. Let's, uh, before we get out of here, uh, I think I want to do one last thing. It's a question I read on an advice column about work. Uh, it's called Ask a Boss. Oh, fine. And uh, I'm curious about what you think, Brett, here, and our <laughs> listeners, really. Uh, dear boss, that's how they, you know, address this person. With two uh, money I, signs at the end, or? They should, like Kelsey Grammer from the movie, from the TV show. I think it was called The Boss. You remember that? No. Stars TV show, Kelsey Grammer. I think it was called The Boss. Now I got to search that because uh, where he paid, played a boss. <laughs> um, okay. So here I go, Brett. Here I go. Let's hear it. Uh, oh, movies and TV shows. Here it is. Freight boss. It was called boss. Was this TV show? <laughs> Yikes. Only lasted one year. So I work in IT at a mid-sized company and my coworker with whom I share an office does a lot of complaining. IT was understaffed at this company for a long time, and we have a huge backlog of projects, poor management, and a little support from our leadership. I've been here for nearly four years and have worked in many different departments, so I know that these are systemic issues that that do not only affect IT. I'm fairly burned out, but I'm trying to push through and do good work until I can find a job at another company. I really like my coworker, Chris, who has been with the company for about nine months. We're of a similar age have similar hobbies, and get along great. I can see being friends and hanging out outside of work after I leave the company. We've both been open with each other about the fact that we're applying for new jobs. However, he continuously complains all day long about all of the issues here. Often when I have my head deep in some work or I'm writing something and need to focus, he will turn around and complain about one of the hundreds of issues here. This job is already hard enough. I'm already burned out. And while complaining together can be cathartic at times, hearing him do it all day is making a bad situation first. What I've tried so far is saying things like, yeah, it sucks, but we have to try and tolerate this for now so we're not miserable. Or, yeah, I've been here for a long time and have seen that issue in many different forms, but we still need to try and fix what we can. I feel like I already know the answer is that I need to be direct and tell him his constant complaining is making me miserable, but I am writing in the hopes that there may be an easier solution. I don't want to blow up on him, but he complained about almost the entire time that I wrote this letter to you. 
and uh, my patience is really starting to run out. What would you suggest? Um, Ugh, man, it's a guy at work. Yeah, it's a complainer guy at work uh, that sits with this person. So he's complaining because, to be clear, the job sucks, right? Like, it's a sucky job. Yeah. He's all, or she, I don't know the gender of the person on here, but this person on here is acknowledging that it is a shitty job with shitty stuff happening. And I feel that they are in, like, I mean, why not complain with it? Just complain. That's um, complaining's part of work. It makes it worse. It's like putting the handcuffs on tighter. Really? You can't get out of it. The complaining doesn't help. It slows everything down so we can like really focus on every little detail about how this is a miserable place to be. Like it puts yeah. the imp it puts the impetus to me is like if you if it's this bad, like why don't we just walk out right now? Like if if, it's, if you can't even be here, if we can't stand to be here and just do it for the money, you know? Um I get what they're saying. I, I mean I if it sucks, it sucks. You know, I, I don't want to hear it. Unless it's something extraordinary, like if it's something that you haven't seen before, you know? Uh, yeah, I get it. I don't know what I would do, though. I don't either. May maybe try to say, let's focus on things that, like, what do they have in common? Can you, like, talk about baseball instead? Can you both get into, like, <laughs> collecting cards or something? Is there wrestling? There's so many activities you could do together, like watch a movie, watch a TV show together. I would just pick something else to talk about. Maybe I would spend more time on that. Um, but I also, it's not really that big of a deal to tell somebody that they're complaining is, is kind of annoying. It's not I like, can I throw not, a solution? It doesn't mean I hate you. Can I throw a solution at you? You make a joke about how they're complaining is annoying, right? So you That's frame yeah. Yeah, you frame it like a little joke. And then, you know, that takes all of the pressure off of you because you're just like, I'm joking. You know what I mean? But then in their mind, they'll be like, that person thinks I complain a lot. You know, it's like, it's almost like you're telling them, but you're just fucking around. I'm just fucking around, you know? Oh boy, you do love to complain sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is a, that is a decent tactic. It's a great tactic. I know I'm a genius. Uh, the 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 boss though, which which really annoyed me. Their solution was uh, that being around. So basically, they're saying that like it's fun to complain, and uh, uh, if there's legitimate discussion of real problems, that's fine. But they said. You got to just be straight up with the person and then that the person will be thankful for you being straight up with them because a good person always wonders if they can be a better person. Now, fuck that. Now, what are you doing <laughs> this? What is this about? Uh, no, that's what they don't know shit. Um, I mean, it's, it's emotional bids is it's, it, it, this person wants to connect and they're throwing out something and they just want somebody else to pat them on the back and say, I see things the same way. It makes you feel like you're in the boat together, you know, but if that's not the kind of thing that, that makes you feel good, then yeah, you don't want to keep just reiterating how bad it is. You know, like, I'm not like that. 
I, I don't care. You know, I'm like that at work though. Like at, at, at any real job I had this job was, too. Yeah. I do complain about this too, but I'm saying that like, I think like when I was working at, at any of the other places I worked before, you know, this, before this was my job. Right. Like I don't, almost felt like that was the only conversation you were supposed to have with the other people from work. It was always with me. It was like, uh, uh, and I know this is bad for solidarity or whatever. It was either complaining about the bosses or making fun of other employees that are annoying. <laughs> yeah. The two conversational topics. And, uh, I, you know, it probably would have actually never occurred to me to talk about something else like yeah, baseball. I'm, yeah. My prefer, I preferred to like, I mean like when lost was on TV the day after the show came on, I would just probably, I would talk to eight different people for one hour and that would be my whole work day. <laughs> like that's, that's that, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I get it. It is grading. Um, it, it is grading. And, but also, it's valid. It sounds like it's a complete piece of shit play. So there is there is that point where you have to be like, yes, it really is that bad. It really is that bad. You know, I mean, that's what I think. And that's it, what I'm thinking, too. It's a crummy fucking place to work, dude. It seems like a really bad place to work that the both of the people are looking for new jobs. And this complaining guy, he might have a Brian brain that just replays all the negative stuff in the world over and over and over again all day. He can't fucking focus on anything but the thing that's making him crazy at that moment. And he's constantly crazy. And um, the what I would respond to that with, the thing that I generally respond to is like when somebody just says a joke about a thing, like makes a joke about, the way that they perceive me, I generally feel like that's how I learn how people perceive me. Do, do you know what I mean? Like people <laughs> make a joke, people that care about you make a little joke about like how they perceive you. And that shows you how they perceive you. And then you're like, yeah, I, now I get what's going on here. I am being a pain in the ass. Now I'm imagining like as part of a union contract to have like a joke communicator, like someone that will come and talk to you and be like, Hey, I saw you were 15 minutes late getting in today. Nice job, buddy. You know, yeah. that would be great. That would be great. Maybe I should do a seminar for human resources about like Using jokes to control your employees. So here's the thing. The human resources department has one department for people who are serious uh -huh. and one for people that respond better to jokes. That, <laughs> that solves another problem too. More comedians get jobs because you got to sit in there and write jokes. You know, I would, I would have a fucking uh, one of those steel filing cabinets just full of j different jokes about all the people that work there. And then when they came in, I would be like, uh, Hey, uh, uh, Terry, you're, uh, uh, look at you, uh, late again, I guess. Uh, what did you, uh, uh, get caught by a train or something? I don't know. I don't know what I would say, but I would make yeah. a good joke. 
Uh, I'm imagining like um, some pulling someone in the office and then being like, well, you know that shit you pulled yesterday? You're fucking fired. And they're like, what? And I'm like, no, it's not. But you know you fucked up, right? Come on. That's I a mean- good one. Because <laughs> you would be going to the joke office. Maybe, maybe even better than this, the joke office, when you come into the joke office, the fucking boss is wearing a red clown nose or those funny glasses with the nose hooked to them, you know, with the mustache. Mm -hmm. So they know that you're fucking not a hundred percent all business. So when you do the, you're fired thing, they're like kind of waiting. Like it's that flower with the squirt hose in it, you know? (laughs) Oh, I'm going to fucking act like I'm fired. And then he's going to get a fucking chuckle out of me. You know, the joke department. I'm doing it, man. I'm making a seminar. Yeah. How yep. to properly joke, how to properly inform your employees via jokes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, really, that can be just a communication thing altogether. Jokes. So uh, that's how I talk. And uh, that is the show, Brett. All right. I'm thinking of training where they'd be like, who likes pizza? Raise your hand. And everybody does. And I'm like, who likes muscle cars? And people raise their hand. And they're like, who likes losing your hand? And then people raise their hand. They're like, well, then you're going to love sticking your hand into this baler right here without any sort of <laughs> safety equipment, without this safety latch engaged. I think I could do this. I think I could be the joke guy. You know, I never want to be a boss. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't want human resources. And I do like Brett's idea of the union and your contract. That's like, you need somebody that's fucking a great joker, maybe like an insult comic type of a person working in here, you know, Broadway's Broadway's Joe though, has a good point though. It's probably going to be like office space or the office references. Oh yeah, that's true. That's just going to get memed to death by someone that's doing like uh, Ron Swanson. Now you're (laughs) bumming me out in the joke (laughs) office, but that's true. That's true. Uh, uh, it would be just office, the office. Uh, yeah. uh, they would like come in dressed like Dwight and, and <laughs> do karate. Yeah. No, you gotta be a fucking real comedian guy. Okay. You know, you have to be able to break balls. <laughs> yes. You can be able to get in there and break ball. And again, you don't have to go. So when they call you to human resources, you can either go in the joke office or you can go in the serious office. Yeah. And I'm a hundred percent of the time going into the joke office. Cause I love jokes. You walk in with your tight pants on. They're like, I think my grandson has those jeans, you know, just yeah. to make you feel comfortable, just to make you feel like you're in a, a loving place. <laughs> Maybe even like you could have that, but um bum like, but not a real drummer, but like just a button on the desk. When, when you tell them like, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, we do have a grace period of seven minutes, not a grace period of 70 minutes, but um, bump, you know, then you tie their shoelaces together under the the desk when when they're there. You don't want to do that, though. That's funny, though. That's a good joke. (laughs) Yeah. Psychic gasoline said, hey, man, you could probably get more complaining done if you come in on time. (laughs) That's a good joke. That's a good one. That tells you everything that tells you everything you need to know. 
in that situation yep. and then you both have a laugh you're like oh you got me you know you you rap scallion you would call him a rap scallion you know yeah so we're yeah totally reinventing work life i mean i'm really seriously i'm like reinventing all life at this point like i want to go to the joke office at the bank uh all of <laughs> you, you there should be a separate yeah you're right i agree they need to offer more services to people that are joke oriented people like you that can't take anything serious at all <laughs> people that when there's earnest things happening their face gets really hot and they have to turn away and tweet about it you know we need to provide services for people with your condition <laughs> the people that want to run and hide and just post like uh can you believe this <laughs> um look get a load of this guy like a real get a load of this guy kind of guy i am <laughs> yeah we can't get enough of our guys that's for sure that's true well that's street fight for this week get on the patreon listen to shocktober grease man comes out friday uh ron and fez next friday uh it's very fun it's me chris james and felix biederman and uh the episodes have been very fun it's been a joy to do and i hope everybody likes it yeah grease man sounds absolutely awful uh yes. as a person yeah, about he, even with the with the uh, Newport. I mean, it's the same area. He's DC, Newport News, Virginia landlord. But they're about the same guy. Yes, absolutely. Well, that is the show. Have a good one. Uh, we'll see you on on Sunday. I'm taking calls uh, with Thick Puppy uh, Kasai Richardson. You can find uh, him at Instagram and Twitter. T h i c c underscore p u p p i e. And we will see you then. Peace.
Why should it be seen? 